At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And MIDI can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. You are listening to Veggie Doctor Radio, and this is episode number 15. Dr. Ruby Thomas, the plant-based pediatrician who is passionate about the power of gardening. I got something you should try. It's crunchy, green, and yummy, and it's about to blow your mind. It's low on calories, and it looks like mini trees when you're having dinner with me. Broccoli. Dr. Yami Kazorla Lancaster, board certified pediatrician, certified food for life cooking and nutrition instructor, certified well coach, and passionate promoter of the power of diet and lifestyle in preventing and reversing chronic disease and bringing joy and longevity into our lives. This podcast is focused on plant based nutrition, habit formation, behavior change, and motivation so that you can have the tools to live the best life possible. Thank you so much for tuning in today, and I hope that you keep coming back as a regular listener. Are you ready to get started? Let's do it. I am so excited to have fellow plant-based pediatrician on the show today. So Ruby is a pediatrician who is also a health coach. She lives in Atlanta, Georgia. And I found out about her through Facebook, and I'm so glad I did because she and I actually share a lot of things in common. So we, we joked around that maybe we could be the plant-based pediatrician duo. And I am so excited to get this opportunity to learn more about you. So Ruby, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself and your plant-based journey? Definitely. Hi, everybody. I'm so happy and excited to be here. So my name is Dr. Ruby Thomas. I'm a pediatrician by training. I'm also trained in preventive medicine and integrative medicine as well. Uh, Most importantly, I'm a mother of two boys, ages six and three, who are also uh, little vegans. Um, But I first went vegetarian about 12 or 13 years ago, and I actually did it when I met a guy, um, and he was a vegetarian. So I thought he was really cute, and, you know, we hit it off. Um, So I said, he's vegetarian. I'll try it. And I eventually ended up marrying him, so it all worked out for me. Um, But ever since then, didn't look back. Um, I was not a big meat eater anyway, so I ate a lot of some chicken, some turkey. I was a Chick-fil-A addict. I don't know if y'all have Chick-fil-A up there, but it's everywhere down here. Um, But I sort of just gave it up one day, said no more meat. 
and never looked back. Um, I lost a little bit of weight. I noticed that my skin cleared up. I had a lot more energy and I just felt better. Um, so that was about, like I said, 13 years ago. And I really, really got into being vegan, eliminating the dairy and everything else when I was pregnant with my oldest son um, after he was born. So he's six now. So I say I've been a hardcore vegan about six years um, and had two I was more vegetarian with my first pregnancy, but with my second one, I was very, I was all the way vegan, 100%. And so the boys have been vegan since they've been born. Um, and I definitely see how it's affected their lives, their health, and the benefits from it. So that's why I'm so passionate about it. I love that story because it was like becoming vegetarian and then vegan was almost part of your destiny and you found it through love. So that, that gives, me, gives me an idea that maybe more of us, especially the single vegan people, should go out there and try to fall in love with omnivores and convert them over. That can be part exactly. of the movement. <laughs> so it worked for you, right? Exactly. He converted me. They say it's hard to find a vegan partner, so you have to convert the omnivores over. That's right. That's right. We can do it gently, though. Yes, exactly. A lot of women, actually, especially lately, have been curious about whether it's safe or even practical to be vegan during pregnancy. What are your thoughts on that? I think that it's totally safe and it's totally practical. It's totally doable. Um, the thing with pregnancy is that you just have to eat more calories and the quality of those calories are important. We don't just want to eat, you know, more um, processed refined carbs or more sugar to gain weight for the baby. We're trying to give babies, the fetus, good nutrition. Um, so you can do that through a plant-based diet. You know, you eat your high protein foods, you eat your healthy fats, you eat healthy carbs and, you know, you supplement as appropriate. So when I was pregnant with my youngest son, um, like I said, I was strictly vegan. I did a smoothie every day that had like my fruit, my veggies. I put some extra protein powder in it. I think I put some molasses in there for the iron. Mm -hmm. um, I took my prenatal vitamins and I was fine. He was actually bigger than my first son. He was an eight pound, four ounce baby when Whoa. he was born. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> he wasn't small at all. Um, and he's still a big guy. So it's totally doable. I think, you know, a lot of physicians in general and even OBGYNs aren't just, we just aren't that educated in nutrition. So we just sort of go with what's been standard and what, you know, we think we know, but we don't know a lot. So a lot of us don't have experience with um, vegan women who are pregnant or vegans at all. So we sort of just don't know. Um, and I was lucky. I used midwives for both of my pregnancies. And so she was, had been vegan for years. She had like nine kids. So she knew how to do this. Yeah. <laughs> so I had a lot of support and guidance along the way too. Whoa, that's great. And I'm sure that was very reassuring. And, you know, we joke about eating for two, right? But really, it's only three to 400 calories max more that you need for a singleton for just a single pregnancy at a time. So that's very easy to get whenever you're eating a plant-based diet. And for those people that don't like volume, you just have to increase the density. So going for more of the beans, maybe even tofu if you like it. And just like Dr. Thomas said, putting things into smoothies because that's easier to get down sometimes, especially if you're having nausea or, or things like that. So those are some great tips. I, I love your story about how you became vegetarian, eventually vegan. 
And then on your website, you also talk about how it was, it was kind of a journey and an evolution. You went through stages of change. At first, it was just kind of like very, that you were doing the same thing, beans and rice and beans and rice. And then you slowly learned how to do more recipes. What are the advantages of embracing change as a journey? Well, I think one of the main advantages is that you end up not being so hard on yourself. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, when they make this transition or make this change, they feel like they have to get it perfect right out of the gate. They have to be, you know, eating raw foods all the time and, um, you know, eating 20 vegetables a day. And the reality is it is a transition, especially if you've been eating a certain way your entire life. And I think just embracing it as it's a thing you can do in stages um, and change comes over time, it helps you be easier on yourself and being easier on yourself actually makes the transition easier when you don't mm-hmm. feel like you have to get it right, right away. Mm, yeah, that's lovely. And I completely agree. I'm a, an all or nothing person. So I think when we get into that mindset of like, okay, I'm going to change and it's going to be perfect. And this is the way it's going to be. And all of a sudden we start thinking about this is the way it's going to be for 20 years, but that's just not how life is. Life yeah. really is an evolution And even though I'm eating a certain way now, next year, I might tweak something that works better for my lifestyle or for my body. So I think it's good to be open-minded and to learn as we go those different things that can help us. As a pediatrician and also as a specialist in preventive medicine, you understand firsthand the importance of prevention of chronic disease, especially for children. How important do you think nutrition is for the long-term health of a child? I think it's the most important thing. And it's, it's the thing that parents, we focus on it every day anyway. So, you know, we know these chronic diseases like diabetes are starting earlier. We know plaques start happening in arteries when kids are eight years old. So if we can start changing dietary habits now, and we know that behaviors are set sort of in young childhood. So if we could start changing diet now, changing behaviors now, setting the stage now for when they're older, you know, it gives them, A, probably a longer life expectancy if those, you know, disease changes don't start as early, and it gives them a different mindset even when they're older. Like, do I expect my children to be vegan for their whole lives? Maybe not, but I know that this is what they grew up doing, so if they ever get to a point in life where they may be having some health challenges or some other issues, they know that if they have this nutrition to fall back on because that's what they grew up with. So they at least know Mm -hmm. it. I can't control what they do when they're 40, Mm -hmm. but I can just give them the information and set the stage now so that they're more empowered and more aware of what's going on with their body and how they heal themselves. Oh, I love that. Absolutely. I think empowerment is one of my favorite words right now, because if we arm our children with that information then they can decide what to do with it and they can decide what choices they want to make. But also, if we talk to them about how it affects their bodies and how they might feel, they start to make that connection. So if they go out there and start eating different things that cause them to not feel quite so good, they can be like, oh, okay, maybe I need to pay attention to this. Tell me more about... Oh, go ahead. I was going to say children are so aware and they're like sponges and my oldest is six and we don't really talk. I talk, I guess he picks up what I talk about in nutrition, 
from others, but he says stuff to me that sometimes blows my mind. He says things like, mommy, my cousin eats candy. That's not good for him. Or, you know, we're vegan, so we don't eat those things. We eat foods that are good for us. So it's amazing what they pick up and what they're aware of, um, even at a young age, which is great. Yes. And I also like to remind people that children actually desire health. Whenever we talk to them about being healthy and how we can do that, what things that we need to do to maintain our health, they get excited about that and they want to do those things. They want to be healthy and vibrant. And so I think that teaching them from the very beginning is really important. Yes. I wanted to know more about your kids, like you mentioned your oldest one, but how mm -hmm. do you approach feeding your kids? What is it like at your house? Um. So, you know, it's changed over the years. My oldest, uh, when he was a baby and a toddler, he was very, very picky. And, you know, I wasn't as adept at plant-based cooking as I am now. Um, when I had kids, you know, before I had kids, I sort of just ate out a lot, you know, didn't really spend a lot of time in the kitchen. Um, but that changed once I had children. And so the first couple of years, it was a lot of trial and error, figuring out what he liked, what he didn't like, offering just different things and seeing what he would eat. Um, and after a while, we got into the groove. Um, so typically, my boys are six and three now. So in a day, um, breakfast will be some sort of whole grain cereal or oatmeal, maybe with some fruit or a smoothie. Um, lunch, we do peanut butter and jelly with fruit a lot because they're in school now and I pack their lunch. But we sometimes do like bean burritos or they love quinoa so they love like I do a quinoa mixed veggies a lot they love beans and rice so I do that a lot um, they love fruit um, they love Lara bars which are the little snack bars with nuts and dates and dried fruits in, in them and for dinner you know we do various things I actually did um, zucchini noodles um, a couple of nights ago um, with some broccoli and tomato and onions and you know, my oldest really enjoyed that. My youngest loves sweet potatoes, so he ate those. Uh, they love their smoothies. Um, so it's just a matter of just exposing them to different things. And I try new recipes. I let them help me cook. Um, I like to bake. So when I'm making my vegan goodies, they come get up on the stool and try to help mommy mix up the flour and do things like that. Um, so they're interested in what's going on in the kitchen. Um, we try different things and, you know, we just, you know, I, I try not to force anything. If they're just adamant that they don't like something and they don't want to eat it, I don't try to force it on them. Um, I'll say, okay, just, you know, take a few. I just ask them to try it. <laughs> if they don't like it after that, okay, we move on. But yeah, it's pretty much how it is. Oh, that sounds wonderful. And you're making me very, very hungry right now. So <laughs> I want to come over to your house and eat with your kids. Sounds great. You said that they're both in school. So how do you approach school? It sounds like you pack lunches, but as we know, there's all kinds of parties and celebrations and special events and pizza sales and bake sales. So do you have certain rules that you approach or what are the kind of methods that you use? Yeah, so I'm lucky. My boys go to a small um, private school, and they're very um, vegan, veggie friendly. So I just let all the teachers and the staff know that, um, you know, they're vegan, they don't eat meat, they don't eat dairy. So they, the teachers do a really good job of abiding by that. And they'll tell me, yes, yeah, so-and-so's so -and -so's mom brought in treats, you know, for, you know, the kid's birthday the other day, but, you know, the boys didn't get any. And sometimes they get upset because they're a child and they, you know, they just want to see treats and they want one but 
you know, part of that is understanding that you can't have everything and everything's not good for you and you don't need everything all of the time. So I think mm -hmm. there's a learning there. Um, and when I can, I provide the vegan treats for the school. I don't even tell people they're vegan sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, one time last year, the school was had a, a pie day, you know, pie 3.14, the math day. So yes. they had parents sending in pies. And I sent in like this vegan chocolate mousse pie that I just whipped together. It was literally like aquafaba and cocoa powder and I put in the crust. And I got to, I thought there would be some left when I got back um, to school that afternoon. But the teacher's like, that pie was so good. How did you make it? And I didn't tell them it was vegan or what I did. So it was a hit. Um, but yeah, I send the treats on their birthdays. I make sure they're vegan treats. The teachers know. And my oldest knows now, he knows what he eats, what he doesn't eat. And, you know, and if something happens and he slips up and he gets a piece of cupcake or a brownie, you know, I'm not going to freak out and make a big deal about it. It's a learning. It's like, you know, you know, we don't need that stuff. Next time, maybe you should ask what's in it or um, ask your teacher if you can have it. And we just move on. So mm -hmm. they're pretty good boys. They know what they eat and don't eat. And the teachers do a great job of keeping me informed. So. Oh, it sounds really great. And it sounds like it makes it easy on you too to have a place that's yeah. very accepting like that. Um, yeah, and, and I get to send their lunch every day. So I send them with plenty of snacks that they can eat. Yes. So they don't go hungry. Yeah, me too. I've, I've, even before we were plant-based, I've always sent my kids to school with their lunches because I've never felt that where they've gone, the lunches have been that healthful. And right. so my kids have always been used to it and they like their lunches and, and that kind of thing. But I love the story about the, the chocolate mousse pie you made, because isn't it true that if we tell people it's vegan, all of a sudden they're like, oh, I'm not sure. Right. But if you don't say a thing, they'll eat it up and it's all gone. That was the best ever. <laughs> I start, I should start telling people it's vegan. So I get some leftover. So that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good tip. Yes. If you want to have leftovers, tell them that it's vegan. <laughs> That's great. So speaking of, what tips would you have for families that aren't plant-based yet? Maybe they're stuck in the standard American diet and they want to start making some changes to improve the health of themselves and their families. Where would you suggest that they start? Well, I always recommend that you start with what you like and what your kids like and maybe try to make plant-based versions of it. So we know burgers are popular with kids. So instead of doing the um, hamburger, try a black bean burger or some other sort of lentil patty or veggie burger mm -hmm. and see what happens and gradually introduce different things, try different things, see what you like, you don't like, and just sort of, you know, start with maybe one day a week, no meat with plant-based meals and work your way up. Um, I also say in this case, Google is your friend because I found many vegan plant-based recipes just from Googling vegan lasagna, vegan eggplant parmesan, anything I had a taste for. I was like, blueberry muffins, I want some today. And I Google vegan blueberry muffins and there's so many blogs and cookbooks and resources out now that it's pretty easy to find things. Um, so I say start gradually, um, introduce different things and then, you know, use your resources. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's true that there's so many free resources now that there's almost no excuse. You can find almost anything you want. I have, I teach cooking classes and my students are often surprised. They'll be like, oh, you can make vegan cake? 
you can make pretty much anything vegan. Now, some are going to be right. more healthful than others and more whole right. foods based than others, but really almost anything is possible. And I like your tip about starting where you feel it's familiar because the mm-hmm. average American family only uses between six and eight recipes right. on a rotation. So if you take those recipes and you just like say you have a spaghetti night or you have a taco night, you can just take mm-hmm. that and how can I make this plant-based? How can I make a vegan version of this? And then just start replacing one by one to see how it fits in your family. Exactly. That's great. I get asked all the time, and I'm sure you have too, about getting kids to eat more veggies. Parents get really stressed out about it. They say, my kid does not like veggies. Maybe I should just give him a vitamin instead. So what tips would you have for kids that are picky and maybe kind of shun anything green? Um, I say hide it sometimes. (laughs) So smoothies are a good place to hide veggies, especially things that taste really light like spinach. Um, You know, hide it in pasta sauce if you're you're really concerned. And I just say keep offering because sometimes it takes, I think they say it's like 10 to 20 exposures before a toddler will, you know, start to like the taste of something. So keep trying, rotate them out, have broccoli one day, carrots, um, try different things. And, And the other thing that works really well is growing it yourself and letting your child see where it comes from. That makes them really curious and much more willing to eat it. Um, my husband is a farmer, so oh. we have a big, yeah, we have an actual farm in our backyard. So right now we're growing, um, kale, collards, garlic, onions. So we had a good green Thanksgiving. Um, but the boys go out there and help and my husband, he'll just pick the leaves off the, off the plant and eat them right out there and he'll hand them one and they'll eat it because they're excited to be doing something with dad and they're active and they're into it. So if you have a community garden, a school garden, if you have a pot at home where you can grow a tomato in it and you know, you want your kids to be more exposed to vegetables and taste them, that's a great way to do it. But that continued exposure and worst comes to worst, just hide it in a smoothie. Oh, those are great tips. You mentioned that your older one was picky when he was younger. How is it going for him now? Does he accept more foods and how did that process go for you? He accepts more foods. He's still a little picky um, and it varies. So sometimes it varies day to day what he'll eat. So one day he likes sweet potatoes and the next day he does. And then one day he likes broccoli, the next day he doesn't. Um, but he loves smoothies. So pretty much anything I put in a smoothie, he'll eat. And that's actually how I got him because uh, he was underweight for a little while. Um, so that's actually how we got his weight up was with smoothies. Mm-hmm. So we still do our smoothies. And, you know, I still have him just try it. And some days he eats it, some days he doesn't. I try not to make a big deal out of it. You know, he's normal weight, he's healthy weight, he's otherwise fine. Um, So I get in what I can and, you know, I I pick my battles there. My Mm -hmm. youngest isn't picky at all. He eats pretty much anything you put in front of him. (laughs) (laughs) It is funny whenever you have more than one child, so you are able to compare how different kids can be (laughs) in their personalities and their genetics and everything. So that's, that's pretty amazing. I like to talk about habits and in your opinion, if a family could just make one change in habits in order to lead a more healthy lifestyle, what would you recommend it be? What do you think is a really powerful habit 
for families to adopt that help make their lives healthier? Um, for me, it's gardening, I think, mm-hmm. and being outside and seeing where food comes from. It's sort of um, a double-edged sword because you're out, well, even triple. There's so many benefits to gardening. You're out in the weather, you're out in the sun, so you get your vitamin D, you're active, so you get your physical activity. Then there's the added benefit of growing your food, learning where it comes from, so there's science involved, and then it's the nutritious quality of the food that you grow and eat. So if there's any way to you know, implement gardening in your life, um, start just growing something, even if it's just herbs in your, in your kitchen. Mm-hmm. Um, and you'll be more, more, more motivated to use that food you grow and eat that food. And I think it's a really powerful way to help change children's perception of where food comes from and help influence their health. Oh, I love that tip. And I also love how you mentioned just starting with a pot inside because it can be really intimidating. I've actually only had a garden one and a half years, like one whole summer and then half of another summer. And of course, being the all or nothing sort of person, I kind of go big or go home and it was kind of a disaster (laughs) because (laughs) we didn't have irrigation to it and it gets really, really hot here in Yakima in the summers. So it was a little bit hard to maintain. Um, And I'd love to do it again sometime, but I dread it because I think of the time commitment. Mm -hmm. But if you're able to scale it down to, let's just start with a a pot or two and grow Mm -hmm. some herbs and then increase from there slowly. But at least you still develop that habit of growing something, sharing it with your kids, having something that you grew yourself in your food. That's wonderful. Wonderful tip. Yes. So taking a little bit more personal, what is a personal habit that you have that you're particularly proud of? How did you develop it and how do you maintain it? Um, This is going to sound really basic, (laughs) but just going to the grocery store every week has been something that I'm proud of myself for doing. Um, I'm not the person who loves to cook, to be in the kitchen, to prepare food, um, and like I said, before I had kids, I would just, you know, I'd, I'd shop a little bit, but I was also in residency before I had children. So I would eat out, sort of grab what I could where I was. But just the act of going to the grocery store on a regular basis, shopping for my fruits and veggies, in addition to what's in the garden, planning meals, and being able to put healthy meals on the table pretty much in 30 minutes or less, most nights of the week has been something I'm really proud of myself for doing. And I am the super busy mom of two who doesn't have a lot of time and doesn't like to cook. So I'm telling people, you can do plant-based diet, you can make your own food, you can do it in 30 minutes or less a day during the week, because I do it. Mm, I love that. And for sure, it's easier said than done, right? I mean, we're so busy. We have so many commitments. And going to the grocery store is a process because you don't just go there. You have to go there. You spend the time shopping. Then you have to come back and put everything away. (laughs) So it's like a (laughs) multi-step process. And you have to be able to make time in your schedule and have space in your life for that. But it changes everything because if you don't have access to that healthy food, you're going to eat something and it's usually going to end up being something that's not on your plan, not something that's health promoting because it sure is easy to go through the drive-through, you know, it's really easy. So that, that's a great habit. 
And I wanted to ask you as well to talk a little bit more about the work you do um, so that we can learn kind of what your life is like and how you are serving others. Definitely. So right now my full-time job is I'm a faculty at a medical school here. So I teach medical students. Um, But in addition to that, um, I work with families, coaching them on how to transition to a plant-based diet and how to meal plan and, you know, answer the questions, solve the problems that come up. Um, So I have a Facebook group where they're really active. I'm answering questions. I'm helping people with their transition. Um, I do coaching calls and also group programs as well to help people with the transition. In addition to that, I speak at local schools, organizations, and events about plant-based diets for kids and even the health benefits of gardening. Um, So that's really what I'm passionate about and what I love to do and what I'm hoping to do more of. Oh, that's beautiful. Do you get to talk to the medical students about prevention and plant-based diets and the power of nutrition and lifestyle? Yes. So there's a growing group of students who actually want to start a a lifestyle medicine interest group at the School of Lifestyle Medicine, of course, is using food as medicine and behavior change as your main uh, methods of treatment and prevention. Um, So I talked with them. I also work with preventive medicine residents as well um, on plant-based diets and um, exercise, mindfulness, and even um, burnout prevention, self-care. Um, so yes, I do get to integrate that work in my faculty position as well. Oh, that's all so important, especially for our future doctors, because if we don't teach them the importance of teaching prevention to their patients, but also for themselves, then we've missed an opportunity to continue this work and to kind of increase the momentum of this learning that we're passing on to our patients and to other people. Yes, definitely. What motivates you to do this work? What is it that gets you up in the morning and keeps you passionate about teaching others about plant-based nutrition and gardening and prevention? I just, it's it's my children, it's the changes I've seen in myself. Um, It's just really the benefits I've seen people who've adopted this lifestyle over time um, that they have in relations to others. And We have so many chronic diseases, especially in the black community, that are literally killing us. And they're 90% food-based. And like, if we could just get everybody or a significant portion of people to change how they view food and how they eat, we could solve a lot of our own problems um, Mm -hmm. with our health. So that's really what keeps me going. And every person who I see, who I talk to, who has a light bulb go off or who makes a little change and they say, Dr. Ruby, you know, I I haven't eaten any meat in two weeks and I feel so much better. My energy level's better. That's what keeps me going um, and keeps me doing what I do. Oh, that's beautiful. And you mentioned the Black community. Do you ever specifically work with the Black community? And do you feel that there's a different approach there? How is it received as far as plant-based nutrition? What, What kind of feedback have you gotten? So I almost work exclusively with the Black community just because of um, the virtue of where I live and work. Um, And I grew up here, so I'm pretty familiar. And it's a little bit of a dichotomy because on one hand, we have people who are super health conscious, who have been doing plant-based diets, vegan diets for years and years and years and are doing great. And then on the other side of that, we have people with 
no access to food, no knowledge about nutrition, um, who are eating fast food and overweight and obese, and they have no clue what's going on. And it's, it's especially true in Atlanta because we have a pretty large black um, vegan vegetarian community, but we also have a lot of health disparities and obesity and diabetes and childhood asthma and other things. Um, so I think my, my purpose and my goal is almost to bring the two together <laughs> so that they can learn from each other and transfer um, that information um, to each other. So, And have you seen benefits of helping children eat healthier, eat more fruits and vegetables, eat more whole foods? and decreasing the rates of asthma and some of those chronic diseases in children? Um, I've not seen a lot of patients right now, so I don't get to follow patients as much as I would like to to see. Mm -hmm. um, but when I work with children and I see, you know, that light bulb go off, like I said, or they say something to their parents that really helps their parents change the behavior, that's what makes me hopeful that that is coming and that will happen down mm -hmm. the road. Mm -hmm. And whenever we talk about some populations, like you're mentioning, some of these populations may be low socioeconomic status. They may not have a lot of resources financially. And a lot of people say, well, it's not possible to eat this way because it's so expensive. What do you think about that? Um, soil is free because it's everywhere. because <laughs> It's outside. So, you know, I think anybody can grow anywhere they are. And I think some of the most inexpensive foods in the grocery store are plant-based foods. A pound of rice is not that much. You know, beans in a can, I can get them for less than a dollar. Um, you know, you can buy canned vegetables, frozen produce. For It's pretty inexpensive. Mm -hmm. And I think you've probably heard of plant-based on a budget. So mm -hmm. I think she has a guide where you can eat five dollars a day mm -hmm. plant-based so I don't think socioeconomic status is a hindrance um, I think it's a, a education gap and a knowledge gap and how you make your money work for you gap especially also if you have federal benefits like SNAP or WIC how do you make that work to your benefit so that you can buy more healthful foods um, but I don't think it's a, a socioeconomic issue um, it may be access that's another story, um, and it may be knowledge. Mm -hmm. Definitely. And I agree. I think that it's largely a myth that eating mm -hmm. this way has to cost more. And actually, I see the opposite. I feel like if I were really hardcore and just eating whole foods and wanted to save a lot of money, I could save a ton of money. Dried yeah. beans, dried grains, um, only fruit that's in season. And of course, like you are saying, garden so then you can get a lot of stuff and a lot of greens yourself yeah. from the seeds that you um grow so um yeah that's that's what i the experience that i've had as well that it ends up being less expensive or about the same but with abundance right, um, right. so that's great well can you tell us a little bit more about how to reach you and how to stay in touch with you if people are interested in maybe being part of the coaching group that you do Yes. So the best way to reach me is through my website. So that's rubythomasmd.com. Um, so there, you know, you can contact me via email. Um, if you're interested in me speaking at your event, your school, um, you can also contact me there. And I also have a free ebook um, 
new ebook. It's 48 pages of articles I've written over the past few years about plant-based diets for children, how to transition, um, and also my own story and my own journey. So you could get that for free at my website as well, rubythomasmd.com, and find out more about my programs. Okay, great. And I'll definitely put a link on the show notes. Ruby, it was such a pleasure to speak with you today and finally meet you, even though it's virtually. Maybe someday we'll meet up at a conference and get to talk more. But thank you so much for being a guest and for sharing your story and these wonderful tips that you have for families. Yes, thank you so much for having me. It's really been a pleasure and an honor. It's great to meet you. you And have a plantastic day. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. You too. I hope that you enjoyed today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in, and I look forward to having you back again next week. A very special thank you to the band Rocket Surgeons for permission to use the broccoli song. To find out more about the Rocket Surgeons, please visit their website at rocketsurgeonsband.com or Facebook at facebook.com forward slash rocketsurgeonsmusic. Also, for more information on my work, you can find me at facebook.com forward slash veggiefitkids, or you can email me at veggiedoctor, V-E-G-G-I-E-D-O-C-T-O-R at veggiefitkids.com. Sharing is caring. Please share, rate, and review my podcast and contact me if you have ideas for future episodes. Thank you once again and have a plantastic day. We're having broccoli. Achoo, achoo.